Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Hack. We have a really interesting guest on today. I'm going to let Alex roll with this one. Go for it. Yeah, today uh, we're, we really are going out there today. Um, our guest today is Penny Griffiths Morgan. Um, and she has, if you go into a career fair um, as a kid who wants to learn history, you are probably not going to talk to someone about this as a potential role for a historian. But if I tell you that she's a writer for Haunted magazine, you may get some idea. Um, Penny, hello. Hi. Tell us what it is you do. I suppose the easiest way to describe it is I'm a paranormal historian. So you came, <laughs> <laughs> you came into this as a cynic. Essentially what Penny does is um, these projects where people go out um, and, and look at haunted places and mm -hmm. try and find ghosts and everything. Penny's the voice of reason. Penny <laughs> is the one that gets the history documents out and says, right, this ghost called Bob that you say is talking to you in this room from the Victorian ages there's no documentary evidence to support this that, yeah. that's what you you came into this as a cynic didn't you Penny a cynical believer if you're mm. on it I mean I've all I've I've had weird experiences my whole life which um but it was when I, it was when I started to see the link between history and the paranormal I thought hang on these are two loves I've got they work together they're so they, they work so well together they're so complementary even though for some paranormal enthusiasts they hate what I come in and say um <laughs> they well, you're spoiling their fun aren't you I am spoiling their fun I've got a couple of friends who do a similar thing to me in the state in the US and they've had death threats because of it. I mean it people no don't way. like oh yeah Oh yeah, um, because when when you get some of these groups, they um, and so even some of the television shows that do it, they'll start saying that a certain ghost is 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 this person, and they're seen in this place and everything else. And when you start digging into it, you're going, well, hang on. I mean, there's there's one that I've been told there's a witch who's supposed to haunt this this pub in um, in Stoke on Trent, and it was a well-known television story series that started this. And when I sort of, and of course people have run with it and said, oh yeah, you can, you can see Molly Lee at this, this pub in Stoke-on-Trent. And I thought, okay, let's look into this. Well, firstly, she was branded a witch because of the way she looked. There was no evidence that she was, and she wasn't, she wasn't hanged or anything like that. She died a natural death, but she had facial deformities and lived on her own. 
and and supposedly oh, there you go case closed exactly <laughs> but but they, the, the, the funny thing was the main person who said she was a witch and she should be tried and in, in is this in the 1700s as well was the local reverend who was known to like a tipple or two who was also known to frequent this pub now molly was teetotal and there's a lot of reports saying that she, so why would she be in a pub if she was teetotal the the, the one of the the things that I found was that supposedly this reverend had asked her to loan him money so he could drink as he was the religious person. You know, everyone had to bow down, down, bow down. I can't even speak. Bow <laughs> down to him. And she said no. And then all of a sudden the rumors started about her being a witch. You know, why would she be in a pub? She wouldn't if she was teetotal. She, she'd refuse to go in there. So there's little things like that, that I kind of find and say, well, hang on, this story that you're coming out with doesn't make sense. And, and I, can, I can prove that why would she have gone in there? She's never been in there. And then when you start talking to people, they're like, actually, no, nobody's ever seen the ghost. It was made up for a television show. But then people start, these, these, these myths become fact. And that's where I tend to get a bit like, right, if someone gives me a myth about a place, a supposed haunting, my teeth go into it and I start, <laughs> I start digging. Yeah, you go <laughs> into full killjoy mode um, oh, definitely. to take it down. I definitely. love it. A bit like a, a paranormal detective. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the thing is, as I say to people, history is more interesting than fiction. You know, you, you, you go back in periods of history, and if you want the worst horror stories possible, we can find them. You know, that, that, that you, you, can't, you can't really imagine anything worse than real life. I mean, you know, we look at what we're going through at the moment with this awful virus. Horror films have been made about similar things. Yeah, this is real. And, 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 and the point I make to people is you don't have to make stuff up. <laughs> yes. There's enough real stuff out there if you look for it. I'm waiting for the zombies to start rising so then we can really get on it. <laughs> I, I have a, a glorious friend. His name is Kevin. Kevin, I love you to bits. And Kevin basically said, I don't want to live in a world without PlayStation, RuPaul's Drag Race and uh, like nice food and stuff. So you can just use me as bait. I can't run. I'd rather be out of it. Just use me as bait. Throw me to the zombies and run. <laughs> Do I have a plan? Well, okay, yeah, poor Kevin, sacrificial <laughs> lamb. No, but he's adamant. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't be arsed with all that running away and waking dead crap. Just, just give me to the zombies. I'm better off <laughs> out of you, it. Do you want to know what my mum said about this topic? So I was just randomly, as you do, discuss uh, zombies with your mother because we both watched The Walking Dead. And she's like, I was like, mum, would you kill me if I got bit? She goes, yes. And then I run. <laughs> I'm like wow okay thanks so so your plan if the zombies come the coronavirus zombies is to run from your mum and mine is to find kevin i like Perfect. it i like that we're thinking ahead but um <laughs> penny let's talk about some of uh some of the stuff you've gone into like my ears yeah. went up because i heard a name that i recognize which is frederick fleet for which those and i completely who... forgot you were a titanic yeah, story and now i'm going oh my god no frederick fleet is the one that spotted the iceberg. Um, he's one of the two lookouts in the crow's nest. So tell us about Newsham Park Hospital in Liverpool and about Frederick Fleet. What's his story? Okay, okay. Well, first things first, I didn't know what you were going to ask me. So some of these details might be a bit vague. However, okay. <laughs> um, I, when I write blogs, I'll just do a bit of the, the sort of background. When I like write blogs, I like to make stuff that people are going to go, huh, I didn't know that. That's one of my favorite things. When I research for podcasts, I like to find it's one of the things I'm known for is I'll find a historical fact that an investigator will like, I never knew that. And I thought I knew this place like the back of my hand. 
and um, a place there's a there's a place up in Merseyside called Newsham. Oh, it's it's Newsham Park Hospital, and it's 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 derelict. And as the name suggests, it was a hospital, but for the most of its life, it was actually a seaman's orphanage that was was built near the docks in Liverpool because a lot of the the major ship owners up there realised that if um, if one of their sailors had lost their wife, which as we know in the Victorian era, mortality was quite high, uh, especially amongst the working class and you know who were crowded into places and everything else, um, they needed somewhere for their children to go, or they wouldn't be able to work. Um, and they created this 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 orphanage. So it wasn't actually always for true orphans. It could be because the the, the father was away at sea or whatever. Um, and it's been shut for a few years, and it's a, it's it's meant to be an amazing place to investigate. It's been on my to do list for quite a few years, and it's it's reopening at the moment. And I'm good friends with the two groups, uh, the two paranormal groups who are going to be doing the bookings for it. And so I said, oh, I think I'll write a little blog on it. And I was trying to find something that people would go, huh, I didn't know that. And I found that one of its, its residents was a chap by the name of Frederick Fleet, the lookout for the Titanic. And then what I found was even more interesting is that he survived the sinking of the he Titanic. Did. Um, and he came home and I think he also served, he served in World War One. he yep. served in World War Two. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but whether it was surviving those and surviving that sinking, because the PTSD that someone must have experienced from the Titanic sinking alone would have been pretty, pretty severe, I would have thought. Um, he, he did end up sadly committing suicide. He hanged himself. Um, Actually, uh, Frederick Fleet, his wife had died um, and her brother yeah. had kicked him out of their house, apparently. So he was on like a downward spiral of immediate depression. But yeah, I mean, yeah. who can say what, what PTSD he had from, from the Titanic and from his war service? Well, supposedly he'd been quite difficult. He'd, he'd, he was having mental problems anyway because him and his wife were estranged, estranged and he'd moved back home. But supposedly the agreement, and I don't know if this is true because no one can verify it, but the agreement he had with his brother-in-law is that if she died before him, he would move out. So whether he was kicked out, whether he moved out, or whether he was just, I've had enough, I've had enough of fighting, um, I, I don't know. But I, I find it so tragic that he can survive three massive events if you if you get what I mean, mm -hmm. and then this is what his mind just let him down in the end. I mean, just to survive the sinking of the Titanic alone is pretty monumental. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, not to mention traumatic. Um, I think he was he was pretty much done over in some of the interviewing as well at the oh, inquiries. Definitely, um, definitely. As, as the guy who didn't see it soon enough or, or whatever yeah. but um but no binoculars they had no binoculars so he would have mm. seen they would have him and the other lookout would have seen it sooner perhaps uh, i don't know we covered that for uh, a program a few weeks it aired a few weeks mm. ago called um 10 things that sank the titanic and it's mm. not a dead cert that they would have seen no. it any sooner but so this is one where you're waiting to get in somewhere so you're doing yeah. your research um and yeah. you're um getting ready if you like to go and see what you can find um yeah. But tell us about, um, you told us about um, the nonsense one where literally you, you can't even explain why this woman would have ever set foot in the pub, let alone mm -hmm. haunted it. And it, was, it mm -hmm. was essentially a hoax. Tell us about one that's really made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Well, this is a World War II military one. So, Alina, you might like the sound of this one. In, uh, 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 all right. 
Um, now, in Chelmsford, where I live, there is a place called Highlands House. It's where the V Festival used to take place in the grounds. And Highlands House is well known. It was the SAS headquarters during World War II. And, and this is fact. This is all backed up. We've, we've double-checked this. Um, it's also where the then SAS leader, uh, Paddy Main, is reported to have, on a dare, on a drunken dare, driven a jeep up the stairs in the house. Um, again, this is, this is documented in the then owner's diary that he did this. So we're pretty sure it's not myth. But what was interesting is that I, we managed to get in there to do an investigation and they never open it up and they've not opened it up for an investigation since. And I was using something, it's called um, a novelist and it's what's known as a random word generator. And the theory behind it is it holds around 2,000, 3,000 words. And the theory behind it is that spirits are meant to be able to manipulate it to bring up the word to answer your question. It's a bit hit and miss. Um, I know an awful lot of people who try and sort of ram the word in to fit the evidence as opposed to, you know, they don't, they, they tend to take it as verbatim as opposed to going, well, that doesn't make sense. That could just be random words. But I'd, we'd been sitting in what was called the library. There was a group of us and this device kept coming up. It was a, it was a, a something called a portal device which shouts words out at you. It sounds a bit like Satan is trying yeah. to speak to you. <laughs> um, it's like, sort of thing. And it kept shouting out, Penny, Corporal, Penny, Corporal. And I'm sort of sitting there going, okay. And I said, okay, if I come back here later with just one or two other people, would you like that? Yes, Penny, Corporal. Okay, bit weird. The hairs were going up on my neck at that point anyway, because it was like, that's very strange. Have you hear your name shouted out of one of these devices? It's quite strange. And a friend and I went back, and she's a, a history teacher. And we had this ovulus. And three words came up on it because um, we said, who is it we're talking to? And it came up with Corporal Terry, not. And we were like, okay, fine. That's a bit strange to get a proper a whole name come out. I had never seen that before. And we asked, did you, did you die in World War II? And it came up as Europe. And we sort of were writing this stuff down. Anyway, a couple of days later, I thought, well, let's see. Let's see if there is a Corporal Terry, not not spelt k-n-o-t-t who mm. died in world war ii who could be linked to the sas and and you guys know as well as i do people unless they're an officer they're not listed as being sas are they they just have their normal um regimental number and normally which which regiment they came from beforehand whether it be royal marines which the majority of world war ii sas soldiers were recruited from and i found in the military records a corporal john Terence Knott, who was a Royal Marine commando, died in North Germany and is buried in Rheinberg. And the battle he was in, he died on the 7th of April. Wow, actually, yesterday was his anniversary, 1945. I hadn't realised that until I looked at the dates just now. 1945 um, on the River mm -hmm. um in Europe. And he was a Royal Marine commando. And when I looked up that particular battle... The history books did say it was an SAS-led battle. Can you that, can you link him back to that building as well? Well, it was an SAS headquarters. Ah, so we incredible. wouldn't we wouldn't know any obviously the squaddies for want of a better term that we, we only know the officers that were based there because you never even now with the SAS people they never you never get someone saying unless they after they've left I'm SAS. 
even now, but they do take an awful lot of their members with the SBS as well from the Royal Marine Commandos. It, even they do now. Um, but what we do know is he died in an SAS-led battle. He died in Europe and he was a Royal Marine Commando and his name was John Terence Knott. That's mad. That, I actually think I did let a few little squeaky swear words out when I found those records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but what's interesting is there's nothing else on his regimental records. I, I have searched them and all you can get is his, his, his number and where he died. That's it. Which, again, would shout out to me, there was something quite secretive. You know, his missions weren't logged, which wow. for a lot of soldiers, they were. That's a shame. Alina, um, talk to us about Auschwitz and places like that. Do you get that creepy feeling? So every time I go somewhere new, for example, uh, when I was young, really young, my first time out to Auschwitz, I was 16. <clears throat> wow. I've been to Treblinka and Sobibor and various different places. And every time I go, and this only happens once and will only ever happen once, um, I will go there, I will get an incredible headache. Mm -hmm. The anxiety kicks in. I get chills and it is a feeling that I never, I feel the fear, I feel the pain, I feel it's absolutely horrific. And I, re, I relive this uh, every time I think about it, it makes mm. me sick. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's undescribable. I can't actually even explain it through words how I feel. But it, for example, I've spent time in Auschwitz at night. Wow. Which, for example, I would never recommend this to anybody. And I don't know how some of the people who work there do it. Mm. But I was walking through by myself um, and I, I was being watched. I was, mm. it was just, it was a horrible, horrible experience. Mm. And I would never wish for anybody to experience that. I know that friends have had paranormal experiences in there and I'm not surprised with the high amount of death that happened there. It's, yeah, I, I can't even, I can't even bring the words out to explain this. It's oppressive. It's an overwhelming kind of, um, the way I explain it to people, it's like a fog is descending on you. You can't, and, and you just, you, you get these, it's, it's what's being called a sensitive, because sensitives aren't necessarily psychics or mediums, but they're sensitive to vibes. And there's a belief in the paranormal world, something called stone tape theory, which means that um, the, the whole structure of the land, the whole structure of the buildings holds on to the prevailing energy that was there. Um, it's why um, sometimes psychics can go into a building that they have no idea what it was used for before and tell you because they're sensing that energy. Um, I've seen them do it and, and, and I trust them not to have known what a building was or um, and and that's one of the things that I've never actually been to Auschwitz. It's it's somewhere I want to, to, to go to pay my respects. But one of the questions I get asked as an investigator as opposed to a historian is, would you do paranormal investigations there? And I was like, no, no, no. If one of them wanted to talk to me, tell me something, show me something, I'm not going to say no because they want to talk. But I'm not going to try and... Um, um, like activate some of the horrible memories them, that people who died there may have that are still there. I, if they want to talk to me, if they, if they want to um, say get, get us a medium in who can help us leave, of course I would do that for them. If you believe in that kind of thing, I do. Um, but I, I also believe in, 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 in energy has substance and a place where some horrific things have, <laughs> horrific is an understatement, horrific things have happened. The 
fear, the terror, the, oh, I mean, I've, I've not as much as you, Alina, but I've read up a lot on uh, the concentration camps and the death camps. In fact, at the moment, I'm reading a book called The Saboteur of Auschwitz. Um, and I will cry as I'm reading this stuff. I will be in floods of tears. And it's one of the things that terrifies me about going to somewhere like Auschwitz because I'm quite sensitive to things. I have a feeling I will be in tears. Looking at it from the paranormal side, children are more susceptible. I mean, I can tell you an example of something that happened to my youngest son when he was four that was mind-blowing, a bit sort of taken off the, the concentration camp side, but there's a beautiful fort in Suffolk called the Langard Fort. Um, orig origins of the fort are from Henry VIII's time there, and it's one of my favourite places to go from a historical and a paranormal and I was there, I was doing an investigation there for the first time. And before members of the public turn up, you do a walk around just to get familiar with the place, to check any safety issues, this kind of thing. And there's, there's a room there and it had two baths like behind sort of uh, partitions. And I'm standing there looking in and I swear to God, from the corner of the room, I heard someone go. <sighs> and I was like, I was with someone. I said, did you hear that? And he went, Yeah. And as I went to step in, I heard what sounded like scuffling on the concrete floor in that same corner. And I was like, that's weird. And it felt very dark. That's the only way I can explain it. It feels like a fog, the darkness. And, and I was sort of like, that's interesting. That's an interesting. The, the person I was with had run off. He was scared, which is great for a paranormal investigator. <laughs> <laughs> I run to this stuff. I don't run away from it. And I went back and I, I was telling the, the curator of the museum what I'd heard. And he went, that's interesting. I said, why is that? And he goes, that room's where a World War I soldier died when the, the soldiers were based here because they were billeted there. I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, we no, don't know. He drowned in the bathtub, but we don't know whether it was an accident or whether he was being hazed by other soldiers. There's two different reports, but they know someone from World War I, a soldier, died in this room. It's, it's in the records. And I was like, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that when I was there. Anyway, I, I went back there as a museum because it's only 45 minutes up the road for me. And I, I, I do like to give my kids experiences. And it's got loads of steps so they can run around and tire themselves out. And um, I was walking around with my youngest son, who's four, and he's got... Um, he, he's on the autistic spectrum so he can't lie he can't do lying and we're standing there in this room because I thought I'll just walk up to it see if I sense anything today and it was a completely different feeling anyway next thing I know is I said come on mate let's go and he starts waving to the room and I said what are you doing and he went I'm waving to the soldier man in the corner and I went what's now I hadn't he's four he at the time he wouldn't have understood stuff and I said what's up and he started describing a world war one soldier perfectly at four wow. and he was just waving as he walked away now i hadn't told i don't tell especially not my youngest about some of the experiences i had i certainly hadn't mentioned it in front of him and he said he saw a world war he was waving to this nice world war one soldier who was waving to him from the corner of the room and the corner was exactly where i'd heard the scuffling and exactly where i'd heard the sort of the sigh as well that was strange but that's the point i met you saying about taking children to these places they do see stuff. They do pick up on stuff because their brains haven't yet sort of conditioned them into believing it's not real. You shouldn't believe in it. They still have that openness. And so I agree with you. It could be very damaging for a young child to experience. Speaking of World War One, we uh, so I did a fiction book last um, last year uh, called Red Dawn, and much of it is set around uh, Woolwich Arsenal. So mm -hmm. I wanted to get out. Um, 
onto the site um, which is obviously being much renovated now um, mm. and poke around and you can do it you could I think you still can do it by doing mm. this ghost tour of the Woolwich Arsenal yeah um, and I incorporated many of the ghost stories into the book um, because oh. I thought they were amusing so it just is a night walk about that my characters have to do on the site and they're discussing them but there was one that was uh so I I didn't see anything but this is the story so there is a there's a, a main building there that um at some point it's it's one of the oldest buildings on site and it's like a, a house and it's been various things over the years but the story is that there was uh officers billeted artillery officers billeted in it or using it um and they found out that the duke of wellington was paying a visit and uh one of the officers had a prostitute there and apparently the story is that the duke of wellington does not approve of, of such things and they had to get rid of this woman fast now underneath this building is uh, like a warren of cellars and stuff um mm -hmm. And the story goes that a, a very junior officer took this girl down there, shot her in one of the rooms down there and just said, just stay here um, until he's gone and uh, we'll come back and let you out after. Except nobody yeah. ever did. So she basically yeah. starved and froze to death down there. And <laughs> they take people down there on these tours. Um, first of all, artillery officers going into that building, apparently things start flying off the walls and there's a very angry vibe in there. Uh, she really doesn't like junior artillery officers. Um, and if you go down into the cellars, which we did, uh, she has an issue. She messes with men, basically. One of her yep. favourite things is uh, to undo their flies. But it's funny. It's funny. she I'm, can't do yeah. zips apparently because they weren't invented then. So she doesn't know how to manipulate. She zips. fiddles. She but fiddles guys with them. The button fly have come out mm. of there with their flies undone. I don't know. I didn't see it, but it's a well, creepy story. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Well, I actually know some investigators who have actually properly, like without public and groups of people investigated down there. It was, it was on a television show. And I know for the life of me, I can't remember the show, but I remember watching it now because they did a place called the Ragged School in East London first and then they went over to, to the Woolwich Arsenal mm. and they were in that cellar and one of them he's a very good looking sort of main presenter of it um he suddenly went oh on the camera and they were like what are you doing he said someone's touching me and they hadn't told him at that point the story about the prostitute but he actually said someone was fiddling with his nether regions um and he wasn't an investigator he wasn't he was just he was just literally a presenter who was there to present the show um, and the squeal on camera and the way he jumps backwards, it does look like somebody had just um, grabbed a handful, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've actually, I, I, I think that's plausible. I do think it's plausible. Um, but I've never actually looked into like the, the real history of that account. But yeah, I have heard that one 
as well. I would have thought a lot of the old arsenals where like um, ammo factories were and everything else, because there were so many deaths in those and so many explosions, they would be places that would hold an awful lot. Yeah, there was a, um, well. a very, very old building still standing where apparently there's a ghost that runs up and down on the top floor. Mm. Um, I was just excited that we got to go into one of the really, really old buildings. Then in the yeah. foundry, there's apparently a screaming child who was killed yeah. in an accident way yeah. back when, when they were casting or forging some cannons. So yeah, no, there, there is definitely scope for a, an hour and a half long tour and then you get a drink in the pub yeah. afterwards. I'm like, if they're still doing them now that the artillery museum has moved, I do highly recommend them because they were, oh. it was good fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, that one, that one story in particular was very creepy to, and I think yeah. it, it more to do with the fact that this poor girl just died down there yeah. and everyone forgot about her, but apparently yeah. she is still down there and she's very angry and she doesn't like artillery officers can't blame her yeah alina yeah. you've got another question yeah apart from obviously places like auschwitz and places of, of a lot of death are there any other places that you're absolutely dying to explore to be honest anywhere i i i, I i'm i'm very into sort of um uh, like the world war ii airfields and things like that because of my love of I love aeroplanes I love aviation um and it's a standing joke I'm a military magnet that I always get soldiers and airmen and stuff want to talk to me and whether it's because of my history knowledge they know that I'll understand what they're saying I don't know but it is a standing joke I mean I I, I think I mean, somewhere like Hampton Court Palace would be amazing just to just to get there at night with nobody else around and that's one of the best things for me doing the paranormal stuff and being a historian I get to explore these places I get to go behind the scenes where a lot of public don't get to go as well and you know I can just soak it up and take it in and read the displays and without feeling I've got to move on or I can just you know sometimes I, I've been known and people think I'm weird I'll just sit in a room I'll just sit there Hampton and Court's an it. interesting one. There's uh, so apparently you've got uh, if you want to go ghost spotting at Hampton Court. Apparently you've got Thomas Wolsey in the moat. You've mm-hmm. allegedly got Anne Boleyn in front of the uh, ornate astronomical clock, but she's supposed yeah. to be everywhere. She's supposed to drift in front of that. She does get around head. a bit, but I, I mm. have a theory for that one as well. But yeah, oh, well, hold on to that. And then in the in the rear courtyard, the the newer. Um, part of Hampton Court there's apparently two uh Civil War era soldiers that uh, they're just Mm. digging in the courtyard and this comes from Mm. people that have some of those like grace and favor apartments around the Mm. courtyard who will look out of their window and apparently there's just two Civil War soldiers and I don't know Mm. what they're digging or why they're doing it but they're digging a hole and but yeah tell us your theory on Anne Boleyn because this is one that brings out the cynic in me because she is supposed to haunt everywhere going Okay, so there is meant to be two different types of hauntings. There is meant to be what's called um, intelligent hauntings, where you can interact with the spirit as though they're there, and what's called residual. Residual hauntings are the ones like it's a video that's caught on loop, um, and so it's a replay of an event. And that would explain how Anne can be in so many different places, because nobody has ever interacted with her spirit that I've read about. I'm not an expert on Anne Boleyn. I've not studied every single haunting on her, but it's a question that I've had when I've been talking to friends of mine who are sort of in very much Tudor enthusiasts. And we've said that you can have as many residual hauntings of the same person. But the other thing as well that I question is nobody knows for sure it really is Anne Boleyn. It could just been one of her ladies in waiting. It could have just been somebody else who've got, who's got that kind of appearance. And this is where the sort of the history side comes in because people try and shoehorn it into a name that they know. 
So, you know, it could be some some woman who just happened to be in that court, in the Tudor court, who's dressed a certain way. But because Anne Boleyn is the most famous name and obviously the tragic name and the fact she was Elizabeth's mom and everything else, people automatically assume that's who it is. Well, it could be anyone. It could be anyone who just happened to look like that. Um, I mean, Highland, um, there's a, a Bewley Palace, which was one of Henry's old palaces. It's now a boarding school in, in Chelmsford. She had connections to that. Um, she's got connections to quite a few halls in Norfolk. She's got connections, obviously, to is it Hever Castle in Kent? All mm. these different. She's supposed places. to wander around my old school or in the vicinity of my old school as well, oh, which, if okay. I tell you, uh, is Nonsuch, where Nonsuch Palace was. Um, right. Yeah. So there's a there's an ambulance walk right around there, and I think yeah. she just wanders around the wine warehouse, apparently. So. <laughs> wouldn't we all yeah. wouldn't we all yeah. you, wouldn't want, you wouldn't wander you'd be stopping quite a lot <laughs> if, I was her, if i was her i'd need a drink anyway well yeah i mean <laughs> god what she went through yeah but the point is that it could just be a residual and you could have as many residual of the same person because it's not in it, it, uh, it would only be if every single one people were interacting with and having a conversation with that i would be a bit like come on but in theory you can have as many residual hauntings as but but i do think a lot of it is people trying to make sense of stuff with the only name that they can think of and mm. as i said they say it enough times and all of a sudden it becomes fact well, obviously um, the famous one at hampton court is the haunted gallery so there mm. is uh, the king's private sort of prayer room which sits above the chapel um is mm. at the end of a long corridor and the story is that you can hear and there's been plenty of televised ghost hunting things on this that mm. you can hear um catherine howard running up yeah. there bang banging on the door and screaming and pleading yeah. for mercy which apparently she did apparently i i don't i don't know how accurate this is but apparently she did get away from her um guards shortly before she was executed mm. um and she ran along that corridor and beat on the door um, and begged him for mercy so maybe it's yeah. her drifting in front of the clock who knows who knows no I mean, the thing is though we never will know but i do try and um uh i, I say my my sort of i, I want to make history accessible for people who never thought it would be for them if that makes sense so my sort of i write the sort of six seven hundred word blogs for people who wouldn't have the patience to sit down and read a really interesting history book but they might read my blog and think oh that's quite that's quite interesting i'm going to look up more on that i'm going to try and learn more um i did my most recent book called a haunted experiment one of the investigations i did was at um ref timonham in norfolk and jimmy stewart the actor was based there on the liberators and i get a lot of people going i knew he was a pilot was he a token pilot or was he a real pilot and i said no he was a real pilot he 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 was an incredibly well respected pilot in fact he was one a lot of the crews wanted to fly with because of how good a pilot he was um you know and teaching people stuff like that that maybe they're not into the paranormal side but they're like huh you've backed that up with facts that's quite interesting or people who are into the paranormal will hear some of the history stuff and go huh it's not as boring as I thought. Maybe I'll look at this up and maybe I'll take more of an interest in it. And that's really what, without sounding condescending, I want to do. Um, when I research a subject, I research around it. And you only ever, when I talk about it on a podcast, you probably only ever hear 20% of what I've researched. But I like to, I come up with so many questions when I'm looking into something. So the podcast I did this week was on a place called Lent Mansion in st louis in missouri and um 
it was built by the Lemp family, who are one of the first major brewers in St. Louis. Now, the brewery most people know of is Anheuser-Busch, which is Budweiser. But they were there 12 years beforehand, and they were probably one of the biggest in America. And they were German. And so the first thing I'm like is, well, why were there so many Germans in St. Louis? There's a huge percentage of the population in St. Louis, Missouri was German. And that has nothing to do with the mansion itself. But I want to know why. Why were there so many Germans there? What was happening in 1830, 1820s, 1830s, to cause all these Germans to want to emigrate? And, and you know, that's what it drives my husband nuts because I'll start researching something. Seven hours later, I'm still sat researching something because <laughs> I've gone off on all these tangents. But it's, it's, it's fascinating. And, um, and if, I, if I can give that sort of enthusiasm and love to somebody who thought that history was beyond them or it was, it was boring or that all they did is their history GCSE or history O-level at school and then thought, nah, I'm never doing this again. My job's done. Absolutely. That's I look at it. Do you know what, Penny? Right now, I think is a perfect time. Tell us where we can get your book. Tell us how we can find your blog. And tell us where we can get your podcast. Okay, well, the podcast is on Podbean. Um, it's under a station called Paranormal UK Radio. And my podcast is called Haunted Histories. My books are called My Haunted History and the other, the most recent one is A Haunted Experiment and you can get them on Amazon. I have a Facebook page called, funnily enough, Haunted Histories. <laughs> my Twitter is Haunted Histories. I, I like to keep it simple here. And my, my website, guess what? Haunted, Haunted Histories. .co.uk. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, and you can get in touch with me on all of those. Um, I I tend to put the links up to the podcast I do on my Facebook page as well. So people can just click on the link there. All the blogs I write get copied onto there, the linked onto there as well. And any um, sort of event appearances I'm doing, which obviously at the moment have all been postponed, but I did have quite a few lined up for this year, like talks and things I was doing. Um, hopefully they'll all start again when we're allowed back out. Um, and people can just follow what I'm doing on there and read my thoughts or if I do the odd Facebook live they can join in and let me know what they think brilliant nice and easy for everyone to remember thank you so yeah. much for joining us no thank you for having me join us a bit later on where we'll be joined by Melanie Back Hanson whose new book is now out uh, House Histories in tie in with her BBC series and that was really interesting listening to her talk about how to do history from the perspective of a building as opposed to people like we all do uh, then join us this evening for Down the Pub where we just had a riotous um, piss up last night basically discussing history's most hilarious moments and uh, learn probably nothing of any intrinsic historical value but we had fun and we hope you do listening to it as well as big crowd in for that then this weekend it is time for our u.s history festival if you like we've got two days celebrating american history on saturday you can hear tales of abraham lincoln the texas navy and the american revolution and on sunday we have cia history world war ii and the NYPD women, the first women, the fight to control illegal abortion. Uh, that is really interesting and still has some resonance today as well, which I found utterly baffling. So join us for all of that. There now follows a public service announcement. I'm Horatia Hornblower. And I'm Archie Kennedy. The simplest gift you can give in these troubled times is to obey orders. Indeed. The regulations are very clear in the matter. It is the duty of all of us to remain at anchor until the little people in the talking box signal you otherwise. You don't want to end up getting flogged. Good day to you. Good day to you both. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.